0: You get to choose what you do every day. You get to choose the people you surround yourself with, the people you marry, the people you have as partners. And so, you know, be thoughtful and intentional about that because when you start a business, it's not a short-term relationship. It's a long-term relationship. And so be very thoughtful about, you know, how you put all that together, you know, and by the way, part of being thoughtful is, you know, making sure you fit into the right construct. And I would say, sometimes people say, oh, I've got to go be an entrepreneur. And I said, well, maybe, but you got to go be an entrepreneur. If number one, have an idea that people want, you've got the ability to do it and you got the desire to do it. And so sometimes you can have a great idea, it just be horrible to do it every day. Sometimes yeah. you got a great idea, it's just not the right time. Sometimes you got a great idea, but you're just not the one capable of doing it. So make sure those three things align.
1: Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands. From developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I am very, very excited to be talking to Jim Donnelly, who is the founder and CEO of Restore Hyper Wellness. So welcome to the podcast, Jim.
0: Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it and excited to talk about Restore.
1: Me too. I'm excited for my listeners to hear about Restore. So I want to hear everything, but I want you to first tell us what you mean when you say hyper wellness, because I love that term. I think it's exciting and it makes you feel like there's more to it than you think. So can you just talk a little bit about Restore and also what hyper wellness is?
0: Sure. So our store is a retail offering that is singularly focused on preventative health and wellness. We have 10 modalities, 10 services that we offer, everything from IVs and cryotherapy, red light therapy, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and several others, all under one roof. Hyperwellness is the construct that allows us to provide those services and other things in a cohesive way. Sort of the high-level thought behind hyper-wellness is it is a preventative approach to health and wellness that allows people to do more of what they love to do. It has several principles. The number one principle being that it makes people feel better right away. The second principle is that it's supported by science and medical studies, so it's not made up. It's not guru-like stuff. The third important notion of hyper-wellness is that it's democratizable. And so it's one thing to be able to provide something. It's another thing to be able to provide something in an affordable, accessible way. And so we always say we don't want to be just for rich people and pro-athletes. We want to be for everybody. And, and to be quite frank, the health and wellness world in America does have inequities. The more money you have, the better care you get. And we think that's not Right. And restores kind of a pushback to that notion.
1: I love that. And I think it's so important. And it's the most, I mean, it's probably the most important conversation that we could be having here right now, because we have not focused on prevention at all. Everything's been focused on fixing a problem and not necessarily getting to the source of the problem, but just band-aiding something. And so I'm a true believer in this. And I think it's incredible that you're talking about democratizing it because there are a ton of resources and solutions for people who can afford to pay for them. They're just, it's different life. And so the idea that all of the people in this country could have access to something like that, I think is important. What's your customer base like now? Are they people who are really actively involved in their own wellness? Are those the kind of people that you're attracting?
0: So there's definitely a notion that the typical narrative is they've tried other things and a lot of times they've tried other things in the traditional medical side of things. Yeah. So they've gone to doctors and those things have underdelivered. They've underdelivered in that they either are unaffordable or they don't necessarily fix them or that the fixing them comes with unintended consequences that are just as bad as the original problem. And a lot of that tends to be pharmaceutical driven. Once again, I'm not anti-pharmaceutical. There are pharmaceutical interventions that have transformed humanity and there are some great things, but there are also a lot of things that aren't so great. I mean, you know, you can throw out the opioid crisis as an obvious example of that, but there's other examples as well. And so Restore provides an approach that has no side effects replicates natural things, seminal things that humans have done and used for centuries. You know, heat therapy has been around for centuries. Cold therapy has been around for centuries. The idea of putting better things in your body is sort of a fundamental of being a healthy human being and you know so it's easy to say put better things in your body but it's hard number one um getting the right choices is hard and then the quality of the food system continues to denigrate more processed food packaged foods all that so people actually think they're putting good things in their body and a lot of times they're not and so all of these sort of bigger picture things are driving the need for something like restore and so we're responding to that
1: how do you fit into the putting better things in your body? Is it the IV therapy or is there more to it than that?
0: Primarily the IV therapy, but we also help people navigate what they should be putting in their body from a food and diet perspective. You know, So we talk about hyper wellness. It has nine main tenants. Some of those are very related to the modalities we provide, like hot and cold contrast therapy, putting good things in your body through IVs, very specific to what our offering is, but there are other things about hyper wellness that have nothing to do with what we offer. So, for instance, movement and exercise, we're not a movement exercise business. I would say nutrition beyond just doing IVs. You still got to put other things in your body and IVs solve a lot of it because of the micronutrients, but it doesn't solve all of it. So, you know, we do our best to help navigate that. Things that have nothing to do with obvious health and wellness things like being part of a community, Mm -hmm. doing things that are meaningful to you every day, people that tend to be part of a tribe that tend to be doing things that they care about and are passionate about. They're unambiguously more healthy that feeds into things like mental health and things that once again, we don't have a direct modality to address, but you know, so we help people navigate that. So if we don't provide it, we do help people navigate the issues around it because we're looking at the whole human being.
1: Mm -hmm. That's amazing. First of all, I love that you're doing it. And I love that you're growing because it's a signal that more people are interested in taking this kind of approach, which I think is so important so how did you start and what gave you the idea that this was the path you wanted to take?
0: Yeah. So I've been in the health and wellness space for a while. Number one, I was a relatively high-level athlete. My wife was a high-level athlete who still holds some records at West Point. Oh, wow. So we've you know been a consumer of many things for many decades. I'm 53 now. When I started Restore, I was 46. And so I had gotten to that point in life where you start to feel it a little more, your old injuries start to come back to haunt you. And so I was very attuned to finding some solutions. I also own some you know, high-end health clubs on the East Coast. And so they weren't really my day-to-day dynamic in terms of what I was doing, but I stay in touch with them. I loved living near them. I don't live near them anymore. But And so I had a mindset that I was open to ideas in the health and wellness space. I was training for a triathlon with my buddy we were pretty beat up. I happened to hear someone talk about cryotherapy as I, I dropped my lunch plans. I went and tried it. I felt fantastic from the you modality, did. but yeah. I, I hated everything else about the experience. It was overpriced. It was a poor retail environment. I didn't think that the people running the operation, you know, went deep enough. And so I literally said, I, I can do this better. And so I called my buddy that I was training with, a guy named Steve Welch, who also is a prolific entrepreneur. And he and I co-founded Restore. We opened a studio. It was essentially just cryotherapy. We wanted to test that. It worked you know, amazingly well. And so you want to make sure that's not a fluke, not something specific to Austin. So we did a lot of A-B testing. We opened more locations in different parts of Austin. We opened locations in Houston. We opened locations in Charlotte. And we came to the conclusion pretty quickly, we're onto something. There's a real need for this. And we had a couple of aha moments. The first aha moment was This was bigger than we thought. We thought this was going to primarily be for sports recovery Mm -hmm. and performance. That's about 15% of our business. And so it's great that it's much bigger than that. So it's a much bigger opportunity. Mm -hmm. The second aha moment was it worked well, no matter where we tried it. And so once again, that tells you that it's a bigger opportunity. And so we, you know, tweak some things, improve some things and said, all right, we know we're onto something now let's make it a real business. And what I mean by that is when you have just a cryotherapy business, that's easy to replicate. There's no real competitive barrier. And so we created a very sophisticated medical infrastructure, telemedicine platform. We can now practice medicine in over 40 states in this country, which is very hard to do because every state has different medical regulations. You're dealing with things like corporate practice of medicine and pharmacy regulations, all kinds of things. So creating a system that navigates all that on a national level, you know, starts to create real competitive barriers. Then you get into things like scale. Now we are the biggest by far. No one even comes close to us in terms of providing IVs and crowd therapy. How or many locations else. do
1: you have now?
0: We have 135 but wow. we open a location every three to four days now, so we'll open over a hundred locations this year. We have eight hundred locations under development schedules. So if we do no nothing else from a selling perspective, we'll open, you know, close to a thousand locations in the next four to five years, and so
1: franchises or?
0: It's both our locations. We have a ratio of corporate franchise, but we'll continue to do some corporate locations and continue to bring in franchisees. We're very picky about our franchisees. In the beginning, you had to be a military academy grad or wow. a high level sales exec at the blue chip medical device companies like Stryker, Abbott or J&J. And that was intentional, obviously. Number one, those were channels that we had deep roots in. And when you walk around here, you're going to run into a West Point grad. If you dig deep into our franchise system, you're going to run into a high-level sales exec at Striker, place like that, or a West Point grad. And so that helps build a really strong foundation. You kind of bring in the best of the best people. You know, franchising is great because you can expand really quickly, But it's also hard because you now have lots of independent business owners that have their own view of how things should work. And so you want to get a group that is going to follow the playbook. You know, once again, provide ideas and thoughts and not be Robotrons, but certainly they need to follow the playbook. And and we think, think we have, literally, I know we have the best group of franchisees in the country.
1: Well it sounds like you have some pretty high standards that you need to make sure your franchisees are living up to.
0: We do and you know what we've done now is we've gone to some of the existing systems like in Orange Theory or European Wax and said let's find the best operators in their system, you know. Mm-hmm. Those guys are capped out, there are no more Orange Theory territories that are easy to find, so what's the next best thing? Start something that's complementary. So if you think about Orange Theory yeah. members they're proactive about their health. They're, they got to recover. There's a whole bunch of stuff outside of exercise they need to address. So it becomes a really nice, compatible partnership. And, and we have a lot of Orange Theory operators in our system now. And we love that system. They understand the brand. They created a lovely community. We're very complimentary of the things that they've done. And so once again, it tends to attract really good folks to your system and help kind of accelerate the rocket ship.
1: When you said medical licenses, what does that exactly mean? Do you have doctors on sites or?
0: Yeah. So we have a system. We have nurses in the store that perform the services. Uh They operate under the auspices of a nurse practitioner and medical director that are remote. And so the medical support system provides telemedicine support to the nurses in the stores.
1: Oh, interesting. That's awesome. So it's serious. I mean, you're going there with a lot of confidence as a consumer that 100. percent Yeah, that's really cool. Can you the talk minimums- a little yeah. The oh, nurses sorry. are
0: high level. They tend to be emergency room ICU nurses. They can handle any situation. Having said that, we're very careful about the things we do and the services we provide. So they don't have to call on their emergency room experience, but yeah. they tended to be people that have put a lot of IVs in and done things like mm-hmm. that. I think you know, the thing about an emergency room is no one's picky about how an IV feels. Like if yeah. it hurts, it hurts. I a it can't hurt. It's got to be done perfectly. It's got to feel okay. No one likes the idea of being poked. And so when a nurse delivers a good IV, they can literally do it. You don't even feel the poke. Yeah. It's pretty amazing.
1: That is amazing. It's really cool that you're doing that. I mean, you've got a lot of locations open and a relatively young company, I would say, is seven years old.
0: Yeah, a little less. In a meaningful way, we were a business in 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, We started franchising in 2018. So, you know, I like to say we're six years old, but our franchise business is only four years old.
1: How did you scale so quickly? Did you have outside capital? Did you raise...
0: In the beginning, we put our own money in. And then when we got some traction, we raised a little friends and family money. Then we got to the stage where we raised a little institutional capital. And then recently, we raised a very large institutional round from General Atlantic, which is one of the top growth equity funds or groups in
1: the country. Awesome. That's amazing. You're making it sound too easy and I know it isn't. So can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced along the way and that you may have in front of you?
0: Yeah, easy is the wrong word, but it has been very linear and predictable for us. We had a plan. If you looked at our plan five, six years ago and look what we've done, you would see, okay, you had a plan and you executed on the plan. And I actually say a lot of times in these conversations I have with people in the wellness industry, we're one of the few people in the wellness space that said we were going to do X and then we always do X. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that sense, it's been, like I said, linear and you could say relatively easy, but behind the scenes, a massive amount of hard work and investment in great people and investment in technology and process. And what we've always tried to do is stay ahead of the next phase. And so when you're scaling like we are, brute force doesn't work anymore, you know, and there's an inflection point. There was an inflection point at five locations. There was an inflection point at 25 locations at 50. Now at 135, you can't do things the way you did them yesterday if you're growing like we are. And so I think there are a few things that have made us successful. Number one, we have an incredible team. I'm lucky to have such great partners, Steve, who, you know, compliments me. I'm the marketing Side of the equation, he's the engineering side of the equation. Together, we can get a lot more done. We've got a track record so we can pull from our previous experiences and companies and bring great people in. I think at this point, we have a lot of credibility so we can attract great talent. You know, we've done this before and we've scaled businesses so we know when to bring in the right level of enterprise software to help you with a process or something like that. You know, this is not a mystery to us that you have to think about things differently. And then finally, I always say our superhero is we're very self-aware. We know where our weaknesses are. We know where our blind spots are. We make sure that we address those things. And we do it in a relatively egoless, emotionally mature way. You know, I say money doesn't change me at this point. Put a high dollar amount in, I'll tell you I'm going to live in the same house, drive the same truck, be married to the same woman, treat my kids the same. And Steve's the same way. So we're sort of free of the, you know, we got to go make our fortune and we got to go, you know, respond to the short-term vagaries of trying to create a fortune.
1: Wow. That's amazing. I mean, it just sounds like you have such a great thing going with such a good team. What's been, I mean, you talked a lot about people and maybe that's going to be your answer, but what do you think has been the most contributed the most to your success as a brand?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for any brand to be successful, it's got to be at the right time. It's got to mm-hmm. be the right idea, and it's got to have the right people to execute the plan. And so we've had all of that. And so what we're doing from a preventative health and wellness perspective couldn't be more relevant. It's been relevant for many years, and this is something that has a long runway. What we're doing are seminal things number one. Number two, we do have the right people. I mean, we've put a lot of time and effort into that. If you come to our corporate headquarters, you get a feel for that really, really quickly. You see what a delightful place it is to work, what a lovely culture we have. We have, for instance, been in the office for the last over two years, And people have actually been quite happy. They're more physically and mentally healthy because of it. Now, having said that, we do things to make sure that that's okay. We have nurses come and deliver IVs. They live the hyper wellness lifestyle. So lots of our employees have gotten coronavirus, but nobody's had anything approaching anything beyond a mild case, but that's intentional. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once again, we do know what needs to happen to sort of create that culture and create that environment and know when you have to transition from one way to another. And, you know, I could talk for a while about how we've done this from a culture perspective and the right people, but You know, everybody here participates in the upside. You know, everybody here knows what they have to accomplish and they're rewarded for accomplishing their goals. You know, all of those things that I think are important about attracting and keeping great people. And, you know, all the data points tell us we're doing a pretty good job. We have very, very, very high retention rates. Hardly anybody ever leaves restore. We obviously are opening stores at an incredible pace and the stores are performing at an incredible level. And so we do have the data points that reinforce that we're doing the right things. And so, you know, if it isn't broken, don't fix it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I'm sure, you know, because you're even mentioning it, that that is not typical at the moment. It's It's hard for people and companies. And yeah.
0: Listen, I read all the articles that are out there. I read about terms like the great resignation. Yes. read about the terms, no one will work in the office. They want a hybrid workforce or they want to work from home. And, you know, I say, listen, that may be true for some companies. It is not true for Restore. I think it's true for companies that don't have the right culture. I think it's true for companies that don't provide you know, a compelling place to want to come to. I think it's true for... Companies that, you know, probably aren't thinking about it the right way. But I fundamentally believe that people like to be around people. People like to have fun. People like to be a part of a big mission and do meaningful things. And by the way, those are some of the ingredients that make the store such a lovely place to be. You take away a mission, you take away a great culture, you take away a really cool environment, you take away an employer that does things proactively to keep you healthy. And then I could see how. People yeah. wouldn't want to work.
1: Yeah. But yeah,
0: that's not what restore is. And and by the way, I'm very I try to be humble about that, although some would accuse me of not being humble about that. And I'm very thankful that we're in the kind of business we are. We were an essential business during COVID. Yeah. And so yeah. we did stay open and our stores did stay open. So it's a little easy for me to get on a soapbox because we've had the ingredients that made it work. But to be quite frank, I think we would have done a pretty good job of navigating it no matter what, because of the sort of fundamental things we're always going to require in a company that we are involved in. Once again, mission-driven, great culture, highly talented people, you know, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you know what it takes and are committed to that. Yeah, I think when you're a founder, and especially if you're a first-time founder and you've got a small company and you're really struggling, some of those things you don't even think about them because they don't feel as important as some other things. Although when you really think about it, you know that it's one of the most important things. But I do think those are some of the things that get lost in that I'm a founder and I've got so many priorities and this can't be one of them right now.
0: I have people come to me all the time and ask me about entrepreneurship and ask me about, should I start my own business? And, and I, listen, I never try to soft sell the or, uh, or underestimate what it means to be an entrepreneur. It's hard. It's really hard. And it's sexy and it's romantic, the notion of owning your own business and working for yourself. But it's not a luck kind of thing. There are a lot of components to being a good entrepreneur. By the way, I became a good entrepreneur through a lot of hard work and trial and error. And everything I've done has not been successful. I've had companies that I've sold for a lot of money that were Lovely stories. I've had companies that I lost a lot of money. I've had companies that have been in between. I've gone and worked in corporate America. I've been an army officer and, and, and learned how to be a good leader. But, but all of these things you kind of internalize over time. I, you know, People ask me, well, you must have hated corporate America. And I was like, well, I, I did, actually. I was very successful there. But I 100% appreciated the fact that when you go work in a place like Kraft General Foods and your brand manager on Jell-O-Pudding and Cool Whip, the quality of people and systems that surround you are amazing. Everybody there is top yeah. notch. Yeah. And the back and forth and the interaction with those people create internalized ways of doing things. You wake up one day and you don't even realize that you're doing something. You just naturally do it because that's mm-hmm. what you're practicing. And so you bring some lessons from corporate America. You start your own companies. And the same thing, you learn what works. You learn what doesn't. Most successful entrepreneurs aren't super successful their first attempt. Some are. Some are incredibly talented. I would say there's a little luck involved. But mm-hmm. but the idea that you're a great entrepreneur out of the box, I think, is typically a misnomer now Steve and I have been very fortunate we've had great successes but I would say they're definitely a lot of hard work a lot of bumps and bruises yeah so then you do wake up and you can do a restore in a way that has less of those bumps and bruises yep. Um, yep. you know and if you're 53 years old and you're not doing it better than when you were 33 then that's a you problem
1: that's right you know? You might not have learned the lessons
0: along the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything that makes you feel challenged or worry or or do you just sort of let it all sink in and figure it out? Like, is there anything that gets you stressed?
0: Stressed is the wrong word. Like, I am truly blessed to have a job that I don't call a job. I come to work every day. There's a lot of joy the number one saying that people hear me say personally, probably more than others, other is that a day that I don't cry is a day that I don't feel. And a day that I don't feel is a wasted day. Wow. So I put a lot of emotion into what we're doing. I make sure people tap into why we're really doing this. It's not the money. It's the number of people we're helping. It's the impact we're having on society. And so as an entrepreneur, I get to create that culture and dynamic. And so you know, every day is joyful in that way. So when you start to talk about challenges and that sort of thing, I don't really approach it that way. I'm surrounded by incredibly talented, intelligent people that work their butts off. I've got some of the folks that I've known for 25, 30 years that work here. My wife works here. She's a badass. That was the West Point grad that, you know, was running global education for Abbott prior to here. Steve's wife works here. She's also a badass. And so when you look at this whole ecosystem, whenever we have a challenge or something that comes, I know that we've got the people, the systems and everything in place to deal with it. And, you know, I, I think being in the military and things like that do also provide perspective like, yeah, this isn't so bad. Like yeah. no one's shooting at you. No one's yeah. trying to kill you.
1: We've been uh, pressure tested. <laughs> yeah, we've
0: been pressure tested. And mm-hmm. so if there were a challenge, it's just the enormity of what we're doing. Yeah. We, you know, we have close to 200 corporate employees in the corporate offices. We have 135 locations. We have franchisees that are their own individuals. You know, we have a manufacturing facility in Europe. And so there's different aspects of our business We're growing incredibly fast. We've got, you know, one of the top retail concepts in the history of mankind and keeping those high NPS scores and all that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So you can either be overwhelmed by it or you can embrace it. You know, we had a guy come speak at our conference, a guy named Jesse Itzler, and he's got this great background and he was the keynote speaker at our franchise conference. And he talked about pressure. He said, if you don't have pressure, then you're probably not pushing yourself. Pressure is good. Pressure means people expect things from you. Pressure means that there are things you're working on that have big, big, big returns if done right. And so we 100% embrace that. And other people would call it a challenge. We call it fuel. And yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, you know, I guess the other challenge is when you're doing something in an embedded industry like the medical profession, it's broken. And so changing that and doing something different is a little bit hard. But once again, we come in peace. We operate with good intent. We embrace the fact that there are some good things about traditional medicine, and there are some bad things. We don't come in like we know everything. We're not trying to throw away everything because we think we know more than everybody else. And so, you know, sometimes the way you come into a category, the way you come into an opportunity You can create enemies or you can create friends. You can get people on your side and work with them or you can work against them. And so I do think that we're more, we come with good intent, we assume good intent, we work with people and that kind of turns challenges into just day-to-day activity.
1: That's amazing and inspiring. Do you feel like you have any real competition right now?
0: Of course. I mean, traditional medicines competition, you know, there are certainly competition, there's certainly competition in the wellness space, I would say that in the wellness space, we are clearly a different animal. Mm-hmm. Most of the competition is very fragmented mom and yes. pop, you know, lots of passion, lots of really lovely people and some people that are getting some traction, but I don't sit around thinking about the direct competition in the wellness space. I do think about the Amazons of the world, the apples yeah. of the world, the, the Walmarts of the world that have a vested interest in improving health care for their own selfish needs. But, you know, we welcome competition. We think this category that we're in is very in its infancy yeah. and the more competitors that are building the category, we think that benefit will accrue to the category yeah. leaders. And yeah. we're one of the category leaders for sure. And so once again, I don't think about competition from a negative perspective. Now, having said that, we're creating defensive barriers. We're building our business in a way that we can sustain that. But, you know, there isn't anyone out there to kind of use your phrase from earlier that keeps me up at night.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing. Any little bits of advice you'd like to share before we wrap up? First of all, before we do that, I appreciate everything you're saying. And I'm very inspired by this conversation. So thank you for that. And then I'm sure... This will be inspiring to other people, but are there any thoughts you'd like to leave a struggling entrepreneur or an excited entrepreneur with?
0: Yeah, you know, listen, I do, whether it's to my kids, my friends, or people ask me for advice, I do say, listen, you do get to choose. You get to choose what you do every day. You get to choose the people you surround yourself with, the people you marry, the people you have as partners. And so, you know, be thoughtful and intentional about that because when you start a business, it's not a short-term relationship. It's a long-term relationship And so be very thoughtful about, you know, how you put all that together, you know, and by the way, part of being thoughtful is, you know, making sure you fit into the right construct. And I would say, sometimes people say, oh, I've got to go be an entrepreneur. And I said, well, maybe, but you got to go be an entrepreneur. If number one, have an idea that people want, you've got the ability to do it. And you got the desire to do it. And so sometimes you can have a great idea. it just be horrible to do it every day. Sometimes yeah. you got a great idea. It's just not the right time. Sometimes you got a great idea, but you're just not the one capable of doing it. So make sure those three things align. And then finally, the thing I would also say, you know, I said some other things, always have positive intent and be a beacon of positivity that does tend to help you. But the construct that I give to all entrepreneurs is pretty simple. It's a lack of options provides amazing clarity. So you know, as I think about restore in year six, the things we can do from a marketing perspective, from an HR perspective, they're entirely different than what I could do five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. So, five, six years ago, we had to be much scrappier. We didn't have a marketing budget and all of that. So, always think about how you're running your business and the context of the choices you have. And so, we have very different choices than a mom and pop competitor in the wellness space. And so, you know if you're a mom and pop competitor in the wellness space i always say don't try to outdo restore don't try to outrestore restore, restore.
1: Mm-hmm. you
0: can't do what we do because you don't have the same tools and so yeah. now one day you might have the same tools and you might be able to but always keep that thought of a lack of options provides clarity and so then embrace what you can embrace embrace the tools you have be authentic Don't try to be something that you're not and something that you're incapable of delivering on because of those lack of options. And generally speaking, that construct helps you kind of build over time and then always be open to new options. Now that you've gotten some traction, all right, I got a little more money for marketing. Now I can do things I couldn't do. And, you know, anyway, those are a few random thoughts for entrepreneurs that are out there. And I do spend a lot of time with potential entrepreneurs. I'd say anyone in the wellness space that's reached out to me, I'm always... Happy to spend some time with them, talk to them. And I always say, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> I don't pretend to be the end-all be-all of entrepreneurship, but I'm always happy to talk it through. And hopefully I'll learn something and whoever I'm talking to will learn something.
1: That's so great. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been phenomenal and inspiring and I loved every second of it. Well,
0: thank you very much. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I appreciate the honor to come on and um, share the Restore story and everything else. So thank you.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad too. I'm actually going to be in Austin in May and I may come visit one of your places because I've never been to a place like that. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Shoot me a a note and I'll have you over as a guest here at the HQ and we're about two miles from a store and I'll take you over to a store.
1: That would be so great.
0: Yeah, I'll treat you to an afternoon of services.
1: Oh, awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. So I'll let you know when this is going to run and I'll be in touch.
0: Sounds good. Thank you. All right.
1: Thanks a lot. Have a great rest of your week. Bye. You too. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.